In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The text is Romans 8, the epistle for this day which has been read. We may sit. St. Paul writes, So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. This is our text. In a previous school where I was principal, I once sat in a court-mandated interview of an eighth grade student. She was being raised by an aunt and an uncle because her mother was on drugs. And although she was extraordinarily well behaved and poised, she said she'd preferred to live with her mother. I could see the conflict in this girl's face as she thought about her situation. The aunt and uncle saw that she was clean and well dressed. Mom let her wear whatever. The aunt and uncle demanded she do homework and get good grades. Her mom let her do what she liked. Her aunt and uncle required that she be a contributing part of the family. Her mom was often out of it and not always there for her. Her aunt and uncle gave her attention whether she wanted it or not. Her mother, on the other hand, required care and attention though she was not always willing to receive it. It wasn't clear to her which life was to be preferred. And so it is with us. Because life is ambiguous. Do we choose self-denial or self-indulgence? Do we choose work or rest? Do we speak up or forever hold your peace? Life is said to be like a dance in which there is a time for every move. But woe to those whose timing is off. So let's meditate tonight on this idea from the scripture. Because life experience is ambiguous. We need the Spirit's guidance. Now, St. Paul in our text affirms that we are both spirit and flesh. That's what makes human beings unique. We are more than animals, more than a physical nature. We have a physical nature. We have so much in common with the animals physically. But we are more than animals. We are able to speak and communicate. 
we are able to reflect on our own decisions and choices. And we intuit that we have an immortal soul, a part of us that continues on when we physically die. At the same time, we are less than angels. Angels have a spiritual nature. They are not encumbered by the flesh. We can only imagine what that is like, but that's what makes us human. That's what elevates us, our imagination, that we can picture things better than they are, that we can imagine a being without a body, a presence without material. And that's what makes humans unique. It doesn't make us best. It doesn't make us the pinnacle of creation. More the wonder that God should take such particular interest in us. For while we are composite creatures made of spirit and flesh, humans are also fallen creatures. And that means that the physical nature doesn't work right. Ever heard about perpetual motion? There was a craze for a time for people to invent a perpetual motion machine. Well, we understand now that a perpetual motion machine can never be invented because a perpetual motion machine is a machine that never stops and that's impossible because of friction. You lose energy in the machine because of the friction involved. In a similar way, human relations, human pleasures, human achievements eventually fail to satisfy us. There is something, some kind of friction that keeps us from going on in happiness forever. And the spiritual nature of mankind is even more damaged than the physical nature. For we were made to love beauty, but instead if you look at television offerings, you see that we are attracted to garbage. We are made to love others, but we are often irritated, if not actually resentful, sometimes of the people who have done the most for us. We were made to be satisfied with a finite amount of material goods, but we can't get enough. And so we struggle with overweight and indulgences like drinking and smoking that are killing us and cutting our lives short. We were made for fellowship with God, but our now fallen nature rejects Him, is afraid of Him, is alienated from God, doesn't trust Him. And that's why God became man in Christ, to restore fallen human nature. When I first wrote this sermon, I put the word repair, but our human nature is more than just damaged. It has been destroyed by sin, so Christ had to restore to us what we had lost, God's original intent when he made man in the image of God. 
Saint Athanasius, after whom the Athanasian Creed is named and who more than anyone else is responsible for the Nicene Creed, he writes of this, he compares our faded image of God as, as an image completely washed off the board, but Christ came and with his own blood repainted the image. Christ entered our ambiguous world to share our experience like a ranger enters a forest to find a lost camper. So Christ came into this jungle to seek and to save the lost. And he finds the lost sheep and then leads or carries it home. And the first thing that Christ came to do was to restore our relationship with God. His death on the cross satisfied God's anger for sin. His death on the cross appeased the Father. So now we have a welcoming God. Our debt has been paid. Now we have fellowship with God. Now we can receive Him as our Father. Now we have the spirit of adoption, St. Paul talks about, which prompts us to call Abba, Father. That word Abba is Hebrew for the word Daddy. Now we have an intimate, loving relationship with our Heavenly Father. Where there was distrust, now we trust. Where there was alienation, now there is unity. And in token, well, what establishes that fellowship with God is the Holy Spirit the third person of the Holy Trinity who is given to us. Now the Holy Spirit lives in us and we are led by that Spirit. That's what St. Paul talks about in our text today. That God's Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Now that Spirit is described by in Isaiah 11 as the spirit of wisdom, of counsel, of knowledge, and of understanding. In a word, the spirit of truth. The spirit is given to us so that we recognize what is important in the ambiguous world around us. For example, that peace is to be preferred to conflict. And you can make peace by forgiveness by letting go of old resentments, by loving your brother or sister more than that five dollars that he or she borrowed and didn't return. For you see, isn't that some of the ambiguity we find in our lives? People we are in relationship with who don't always treat us right, but the Spirit enables us to forgive and to make peace where there was conflict. Furthermore, the Spirit leads us to a deeper understanding of peace. The word peace means wholeness, completeness in the Bible. And you realize that justice, righteousness for others is needed for a true peace. And you can work for peace 
for wholeness by understanding and working for what is right. You can start with your own life. Do you owe anyone anything? Is there anyone who has anything against you? Leave your gift at the altar and go and make peace with your brother or sister or neighbor, parent or child, friend or spouse. You can make peace by affirming the value of those other people around you. And then you can work for peace in the broader society through your involvement in politics or community life, in charity, in help for others in need. The Spirit can guide you into a particular area of interest concern, insight, or understanding where your gifts can be used to help others. The spirit of wisdom, counsel, knowledge, and understanding, that spirit of truth is given so that we attend our own responsibilities rather than worrying about others. There's some of the Spirit's wisdom where we acknowledge our own sin and take our focus off the shortcomings of others. Where we focus on our own opportunities to do good rather than trying to tell others what to do. The gift of the Spirit leads to humility. Giving God the glory. Giving others precedence recognizing our own limited role. And not only is that a spirit of truth that we are given, that dwells in us, that guides us with understanding through the ambivalence and ambiguities of life, but the spirit of might and of the fear of the Lord. The spirit is a spirit of power, power to do what is right, power to get up and face the challenge of the day with courage and confidence that all things will work together for good to those that love God. Power to do what is right, to exercise like you know you should, to eat right like you know you should. You see, the spirit is a spirit of power, not power to make other things do what you want, but power to make you do what you know you want. For if truth be told, so much of the misery of our everyday life lies in our own powerlessness over ourselves. We can't rein in our desires. We can't get our bodies to do the things that we would like them to do. We can't shake memories resentments, feelings. But the spirit is a spirit of power that restores the self-control that we had lost through sin. And it's the power to fulfill God's commands, to love God above all things, to love your neighbor as you love yourself, the power to be nice to people like you know you should as you would have them be nice to you. And the power to honor God with your time in worship, with your treasure in tithing,
with your talent in service. We are led by the Spirit of God through this ambivalent life. So stay in touch with the Spirit. The Spirit comes through God's Word and sacraments. Hear the Word of God. Receive the sacrament regularly. Call to mind your baptism that you can call God your Father because the Spirit is given in your baptism. And by daily recalling and applying God's Word in a prayerful approach to life's ambiguities. When you wake up in the morning, ask God in prayer to guide you in the things that you should do. And then as each issue arises, ask for God's help and recall God's word so that you may be clear on what duty you have according to your station and what would be pleasing to God in what you do. In closing, let's observe that a ship needs constant guidance to stay on course. A ship can't just leave the harbor knowing where it was and sail for a week without knowing where it's going. Daily, hourly, minute by minute, second by second, that ship is in touch with the signals that show it where it's going and what to avoid. You and I need the same guidance through life. We need the guidance of the Spirit. So let's take time each day to ask for God's guidance, to be aware of His Spirit, and to check in with the Word of God to make sure we're on the right course. Because life is ambiguous, but the Spirit of God will lead us. Amen. And may the peace of God that surpasses our understanding keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.